Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually, 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 perpetually be in my mouth. Amen, amen, amen. We praise God and we thank him for allowing us to come to see another day. And we appreciate all of you that have gathered in here this morning the few of us that are here in order that we might continue the work of ministry. We praise God for all of you who are watching from home today or wherever you are or listening on the, on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you so much. We know that there are people listening in many states and in many countries. Uh, and words can't begin to thank you for your kindness, for your generosity, uh, that you would just tune in to hear what this small church here in San Pedro, California, has to say. So we thank you. We want to be mindful of the sick, the shut-in, the bereaved. I want to uh, be in prayer for Mother Dorothy Clemens. We're praying for Sister Kathleen Overturf. We're praying for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. We're praying for Brother James Ridgeway, and we're praying for Sister Talia White. But then also we're praying for Sister Tempia Tutt and her family. Her daughter was involved in a car accident uh, on uh, the other night and uh, was hit by somebody driving 100 miles an hour who they believe was uh, probably inebriated, uh, was drunk, and uh, she had a broken leg and some other injuries. Went through surgery last evening. She is doing uh, well, my understanding, uh, and they believe that she's going to recover um, after she gets past this uh, recovering from the surgery. So pray for her. Pray for Sister Tempia Tut and her family. And then also, I just want to thank all of you who sent cards on last week. We, uh, my wife and I celebrated our anniversary. And uh, we got a ton of uh, birthday cards. I also want to thank you on behalf of my daughter, uh, Sydney, who uh, received a bunch of birthday cards and some checks and some cash um, and gifts from uh, some of the members. Um, And then also, I'm just thankful today that uh, 56 years ago, uh, Robert Earl Thomas, who's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, Elma Jean Thomas gave birth to a baby boy. Uh, by the name of Leo Ramon Thomas Sr. Amen. So I'm thankful that God has allowed me to reach a new milestone 56 years young and God is still keeping me and blessing me. Amen. Let us pray. God we thank and praise you. We bless you. We honor you today because of who you are Lord God. We thank you for being God all by yourself. We bless your holy name today, Lord God, because you have saw fit in your own providential wisdom, kindness, compassion, and grace to spare us one more time. God, we thank you today that even as we slept and slumbered last night, you saw fit to wake us this morning sound mind, use of our extremities, a reasonable portion of health and strength. 
God, we thank you for the ministry, Lord. We thank you for the kingdom. We thank you for the work of ministry, Lord God. It is our passion and our desire is to do all that we do for thee, Lord God, with excellence. Bless us, Lord God, in our gifts of ministry. Help us to be mindful of those who are hurting and suffering and struggling today, Lord. We pray that you would allow your presence in them to be felt, Lord God. Now, God, we pray for the election, but a few days from now. We pray, Lord God, that everything be done decent and in order. We pray, Lord God, that we would not put our confidence in man, but know, Lord God, that your will shall be done. Now, God, bless the sick, the shut-in, the bereaved, all of those who are struggling, Lord God, under illness, touch them with your finger of love. Lift them from their bed of affliction, if it be thy will. Strengthen them and send them on their way. Now, God, we ask, as you are known to do, that you would stop by and visit with the saints of this house today. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak Open the windows of heaven, pour out blessings that we won't have room enough to receive. Set the preacher down, stand your word up on the pedestal of my personality. Let your word go forth boldly and clearly that Father God, you would be glorified. Christ Jesus, our savior, he would be magnified. And by the unction and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Pray that your people would be edified. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let all the people of God say, Amen. Give God a hand, praise. Amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles. We are taking a detour this morning. We're taking a detour this morning. We are rerouting ourselves from Romans and we're going to journey over to the book of James to the book of James we're taking a break this week from excerpts from Romans and depending on who wins the election we may take a break next week amen say amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> we wanted to take a moment just to encourage the people of God, and all of God's word is an encouragement. It just depends on where you find yourself. But in the book of James in chapter 1, familiar passage, familiar passage, James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2, these words are recorded. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. From those three verses, I'd like to use the focal point as a theme this morning. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. There are several men named James mentioned in the New Testament. But reliable tradition and reliable sources assigns this book to the one called James the Just, which we are told in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, was the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And he was the full-blood brother of Jude. And he led the church in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 15, verse 13, tells us that. Other men mentioned in the Bible named James include James, brother of John and son of Zebedee. It is believed that James was the first apostle martyred and was also known as James the Less. Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. James, the son of Alphaeus, another of the 12 disciples. And then there was also James, the father of the other apostle by the name of Judas. Nevertheless, the writer of this letter is the same James who received a special appearance of Christ in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 7, after the resurrection, many scholars and theologians believe that it was this event in 1 Corinthians 15, because of that event, it contributed heavily to his conversion, because up until that time, the brothers of Jesus seemed unsupportive of his message, his mission, and his ministry. After this, uh, and after James believed in Christ and who he was, the Bible gives us an indication that he followed Jesus earnestly. He was all in, in other words, after he realized who Christ really is. He followed him with great devotion and with great love and with great commitment. And the early historians of the church says that James was such a man of prayer that his knees developed large, thick calluses, making them look like the knees of a camel. It is also said of James that he was martyred in Jerusalem after he was thrown off or pushed off a high point of the temple, yet the fall did not kill him, and it is said that on the ground, they began to beat him to death even as he was praying for those who were striking him. The purpose of James' letter was to address seven very specific issues in the Christian life. John Phillips gives us this breakdown for the book of James. He says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 16, James discusses the Christian and their battles. James chapter 1 verse 2 through 16. In James chapter 1 verse 17 through 27, James breaks it down and discusses with us the Christian and 
his Bible. In chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, he discusses the Christian and his brethren. In chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, he discusses the Christian and his beliefs. In chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 12, he uh, discusses with us the Christian and his behaviors. In chapter 4, verse 13 through 5, verse 6, he discusses the Christian and their boasting. And finally, in chapter 5, verse 7 through verse 20, he discusses the Christian and their burdens. He begins with the testing and temptations that afflict the body of Christ. And as with everything that God has to do with, testing and temptations serve a purpose in the lives of believers. We are living in a time where people feel that they're being tested and pushed to the limit. Many of us feel like we are on the brink, we are on the precipice of not being able to even recover from the current condition in which we find ourselves. The devil would have you believe, if you were willing to listen to his narrative, that God has forsaken us and dropped us off by the wayside. He believes and tries to take credit for the fact that many churches are not open, not recognizing that ministry still goes forth. He believes and wants to take credit for many believers who are not giving in to the ministry, who are not connected by way of online ministry, not realizing that many of us are engaged and involved in everything that's going on in the body of Christ. He would have you to believe and wants to take credit for the divisive nature that exists now in this country between many people who are some on the conservative right and some who are on the liberal left, and yet he does not realize that God is the one who is purposing and planning what will take place. Sometimes you have to go through some things in order to realize the blessings in which we have in God. Don't you know that there are blessings in the midst of the burdens? The devil would have us to believe and wants to take credit for the fact that they say that uh, abuse is up in the country since people have been locked down. He wants to take credit for the fact that people are acting foolish and being despondent and losing hope. But the fact is God has given us eight months to call upon his name. He's given us time to repent of our sins. He's given us moments of meditation in order that we might get to know him better. The question is, what do you do with your time when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you go to the bottle? Do you go to the marijuana? Do you go to the internet? What do you do with this extra time in which God has given us these moments of time in which we have, which may never come again? James gives us an indication. How do you deal with things when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? When you're at the end of the rope, 
Someone has said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in the rope and just hold on a little longer. Sometimes we have to be reminded of the grace of God and reminded of the things of God. I know that it sounds conflicting, it sounds confusing, and it sounds contradicting. However, it's important that we rightly divide the word of truth. And James tells us we're to have a different mindset than that of the world. We're to think different because when you think different, you act different and you behave differently. This is going to require some spiritual fortitude for the people of God. You need to just step up, dust yourself off, and look to the hills from which cometh your help, knowing your help cometh from the Lord. James gives us an indication. He begins here in verse 2. The Bible says, my brethren, brethren is a, uh, a, a, a statement that deals with the body of Christ, those who are in the kingdom. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Here's the first thing that we have to understand when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Let me just share with you, this may bust your bubble, but troubles, trials, and temptations are inevitable. They're inevitable. I, I wish I could say it another way. I wish I could soften the blow, but they are inevitable. James considers trials as inevitable. The King James Version in which I read for you says, when you fall into divers' temptations. But many other translations say they render the word uh, divers' temptations as trials, as trials in life. And it's important that we understand that the indication of what James is saying here, this word trials, this word divers temptations, means it signifies affliction. It signifies persecution or trial of any kind. And that is what is meant here in this verse. In verse 2, James wants us to know that you're going to have to deal with some affliction in your life. You're going to have to deal with some persecution in your life. You're going to have to deal with some trials of many kind in your life. This is not intended as some demonic attack and or suggestion or what we might generally understand when we consider the word temptation. This is not the enemy coming against us, though he does come to tempt us. That's not what James is talking about here in verse 2. No, this test, this trial, this temptation has God as the mastermind behind it all. And we will come back to that in a moment, but it's important that you and I understand that God is the one working the magic behind the scenes of this test, of this trial, and this temptation. We'll come back to that. But notice that James says, when, when, not if. He says, when, when you fall into various trials, trials are inevitable. Try as you might, there are some things in this life 
that you simply cannot avoid. I may not know the exact arrival of this unwelcomed visitation of a trial, but as surely as I am living and breathing, trials are sure to come. There are no ifs, there are no buts about it. They are on their way. The Bible says, James declares, when you fall into, not when you step into, not when you go step by step, but there are some things that are so unforeseen that you wake up one morning and you realize you're in the midst of a trial. You're in the midst of some trouble. You're in the midst of a temptation. It is not because you did anything wrong, but God is trying to take you to a higher level. And the God that we serve sometimes has to allow some stuff to happen in your life in order to push you closer unto him. It is important that we understand family that this thing is precipitated not by any wrong but you are plunged into this situation that is not advantageous or so it appears. It does not appear that it's working for your good but God reminds us that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You mean this pain that I'm exhibiting right now is working for my benefit. You mean the people who walked out my life and talked about me is working for my benefit. The Bible says, but we know all things. That means everything that happens in your life is pushing you toward the providential care of God. That means the illness. That means the pink slip. That means the shortage of funds. That means the issues with the kids. That means the issue with your mental and your spiritual capacity. That means everything in church is working for your good. Is there anybody who realizes that trials and temptations are inevitable, but it depends on how you handle them when they come. I could have lost my mind, but I didn't. I could have started back drinking, but I didn't. I could have went back and got high, but I didn't. I could have went out and hit a lick, but I didn't because they're inevitable. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know that they are coming. Is there anybody that can declare unto God, point to your neighbor and say, hold on, something's coming your way. Something's coming your way. Something's coming your way. It may not be what you want, and it may not be what you like, but something is coming your way. Trials and temptations, family, are inevitable. When there is trouble on every side, when you are surrounded and there is no way to escape it, when you fall prey to the narrative in which is before you, and you become distressed and disgusted and despondent and disenchanted, James says that that's the time to count it all joy. In other words, that's the time to lean on and lean into the true and the living God. 
That's a time to be joyful. That's a time to be optimistic. That's the time to be hopeful. That's the time to exhibit a positive demeanor. The word joy, kara, means to be cheerful, to express exceeding gladness, and to be calm. James has the audacity, the temerity, the unmitigated goal, the self-aggrandizing nerve to instruct and inform the children of the Most High God that when you feel like we are stuck between a rock and a hard place, we are to exhibit joy. We're to be exceedingly glad and we're to have a sense of calm. God knows how much you can bear, family. The Bible declares in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Is there anybody who's ever thought that you wasn't going to make it and God proved you wrong? Is there anybody who ever believed that this is the end of me and God proved you wrong? That's a reason to have joy. Just based on what I've been through in my past and the fact that God spared me in spite of it is a reason for me to be happy, glad in the Lord. Well, maybe you don't cheer. Maybe you're not joyful. He said, well, guess what? Just be calm. Just be calm in the midst of it all. Don't panic. Don't fret. Don't lose your mind. Just sit back in the peace of God and know that God is working this thing out. Well, where do you get that from? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26 and 3 that he's able to keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In the midst of this election, keep your mind focused on God. In the midst of this pandemic, keep your mind focused on God. In the midst of the bills piling up, keep your mind focused on God. When the doctor calls and says, I need to talk to you, keep your mind focused on God. When people call you and they want to gossip and they want to act a fool and backbite, keep your mind focused on God because he's able to keep you not just in peace, but in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You need to start thinking about the things of God. Stop letting the devil run you around and make you lose your mind. Stop letting the devil keep you up all night when God has promised you perfect peace. Stop worrying about your kids when they're out and about when God has promised you perfect peace. God gives perfect peace, not just some peace, not just a little peace, not just a bit of peace, but perfect peace. And it's yours if you can remember that trials and temptations are inevitable. They're going to happen. You don't have to look for them. You don't have to hunt for them. They're coming your way. But not only does James tell us that trials and temptations are inevitable. Look at verse 3. 
The Bible says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Not only are trials and temptations inevitable, Deacon Hughes, they are instructional. Yeah, they're instructional. Knowing this, I can have joy knowing this. Not guessing this, but knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. Faith is tested through trials and temptations. Note, faith is not produced by trials and temptations, but they are tested by trials and temptation. Reveal, they reveal what kind of faith we are in possession of. Just because you attend church does not mean that you are built up in your faith. It is not because God does not know how much faith we have, but it is so that our faith will be evident to ourselves and to those around us. I am amazed at how many people in the kingdom can have a little issue come up in their lives and they fall apart and fall away from the church. There are people who have gone through so much and yet they walk around with joy in the spirit. They have a smile on their face. They are committed and connected and engaged with the God that we serve. They show up every week when the doors of the church were open. They never complained about anything yet they were in the midst of a hot and irritating battle. They they were going through some things in their lives, but you never know it when they got in the choir stand. You never know it when they were sitting on the usher bench. You would never know it when they sat up in the pulpit. They were able to just keep on moving in the things of God because they realized at some point that our faith our problems, our issues are building up the faith that is inside of us and we're able to look at the devil and his minions and the demonic forces in which we battle and remind them as much as I've been through there ain't no devil in hell that's going to get me to turn away from the God that I serve. You've been through so much stuff, the devil cannot deter you. You've been through so much hell, the devil cannot run you off. Your faith is built up to the degree that you know that God is operating in your life. Everything is yes. Everything is amen because God has moved mountains in order for you to walk through. God has parted the Red Sea in order for you to go through on dry ground. God has brought a high places low and made crooked places straight in order for you to go through. You better remind the devil of the God that you serve. My God has not forsaken me. My God is still sitting on the throne. My God is still operating in my life. My God is still strengthening my limbs. My God is still regulating 
my mind. My God has placed a hedge of protection about me and you can't hurt me, devil, because the God that I serve is building up my faith. I didn't been through enough stuff. And I believe and know that the trying of my faith worketh patience. Charles Spurgeon said that faith is as vital to salvation as the heart is vital to the body. Hence the javelins of the enemy are mainly aimed at this essential grace. In other words, the enemy is always trying to attack the faithfulness of God's people. If he can get you to doubt God, then he can get you to fall away from God. But my faith, in spite of what I see, I believe that God is going to make a way out of no way. I believe that God is going to see me through. God has brought me too far to leave me. Now, there are some things that you can only learn by way of experience. As a matter of fact, someone has said that experience is the best teacher. That there are some things that you have to go through in order that your faith would stand strong. That is the reason people look at you and they see you, but they don't realize all the stuff you've been through. Well, why? Because you don't look like somebody who battled cancer. You don't look like somebody who had to go through counseling because you were mentally a little bit off. You don't look like somebody who had to sleep in your car. You don't look like somebody that had to sleep on a friend's couch because they had repossessed. You don't look like what you've been through and therefore they see you and they're unable to understand the story that is behind you. But guess what? When God has his hand on your life. God allows everything to happen in order to benefit you and to build you up. There are some of us right now that knows what it's like when the lights is cut off and we just light a candle and keep on going. But if you ain't ever been through that, that's a devastating experience. Some of us that already been divorced, well, we know what it was like to pick the wrong person at least one time and therefore we relish, we cherish the relationships in which we have now. There are some of us that know what it's like when church folk get to acting up and yet you're still expected to be on your post, on your assignment, and doing your duty. But guess what? When you have faith in God and God is building you up, you learn how to have some patience in the midst of it all. You can't 
scare me. You can't startle me because I've learned patience. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I remember people would get in front of you and they'd flinch at you to see if you would move. But guess what? When they realized you wasn't going to flinch, you weren't going to be scared, you wasn't going to try to block, you just stood there. Guess what? They didn't try that again. The devil is standing in front of you, even at a time such as this, and he's trying to get you to flinch. He's trying to see is there some weakness in your eyes, some weakness in your spirit. And that's the reason you got to stand for and call on the name of God even in the midnight hour even in the early morning even in the afternoon on your job, in your neighborhood in your relationship you gotta call on the name of God devil I ain't flinching devil I ain't scared you ain't gonna run me off you ain't gonna pump me you're not gonna cheat me out of the blessings in which God has for me don't you know that there are blessings with your name on them but you have to be patient in order to get to the blessing God opens doors that man cannot close and when God closes doors man cannot open them knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience Trials produce faith in the people of God. As a matter of fact, I would dare say the more faithful you are, the more hell you've gone through. Let me just be real with you. Because if you don't have much faith, it tells me you haven't been through many trials. But the more trials you go through, the more your faith increases. God adds layer upon layer upon layer to your faith as you move up the mountain of sanctification. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if I'm going to be faithful, I have to accept and acknowledge the Word of God in order that my faith would stand strong. The more Word I have in me, the more faithful I am and the stronger I am in fighting off the attacks of the enemy. God has a way of using the bad things, or so we think, in life to add on to us the tools and the mechanisms and the strategies in which we need to go further in the Lord. I am not telling you you ought to welcome with open arms the trials and the temptations in your life. What I'm saying, though, is don't lose heart when they come in your life. Just think to yourself, God, there's something you're trying to do in me. The reason I'm going through this situation. First thing, family, we got to understand is that trials and temptations are inevitable. They're going to come. No matter how careful you are, 
no matter how prayed up you are, no matter how determined you are, they are inevitable. They're coming in your life. But not only do we need to understand that trials and temptations are inevitable, the other part is they're instructional. They teach me some things in order that I might grow in the things of the Lord. Let's go to this last one. Let's go to this last one. What, what do you do when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? James says that you got to remember that trials are inevitable. They are instructional. But then here's the last one. He says, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Not only are they inevitable, not only are they instructional, they are invaluable. Because they're pushing you to a perfect patience. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, tribulation worketh patience. Hmm. The purposes of these problems, the purposes of these troubles, the purposes of these trials and temptations in and around our lives are summed up in one word, patience. Hmm. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, he says to the saints of God, be strengthened with all might according to the glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. All the might and the power desired for the saints of God has its end in patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. Patience must not be shorter than the affliction. Because if it is, you don't learn the lesson. And there are some lessons, unfortunately, that many of the people of God are having to repeat over and over and over because they did not exhibit the patience to get through the situation. There's a saying that says, if the bridge reached but halfway over the brook, we shall have but ill-favored passage. Some of us, our journeying alone, this thing called life that God is trying to get us through in a glorious fashion, and yet we have failed to exhibit patience in the midst of it all. As a matter of fact, if the truth be told, many of the mistakes we've made in our lives, many of the greatest heartaches and failures that we've exhibited have been because we did not exhibit patience. As an old preacher once said, he said, you picked him because he was a triple six kind of man. And you know triple six is a sign for the devil. He had six pack, he had six feet, and he had a six-figure income. He was, he was a triple six kind of man, but you didn't know that he was demonic and a devil on the inside. She had everything you could have ever desired. She was built the way you like her. She was light-skinned. She was light eyes. She was dark-skinned, looked like a beautiful model, and yet she was a demonic force on the inside. You did not exhibit 
patience. There are people who will pick jobs because of the amount of money that they were offering you, yet you did not exhibit the patience necessary to evaluate the job if it would be something that would be a benefit and a blessing to you and your family. There are folks in the body of Christ that have gotten out of ministries because somebody irritated them. They did not have the patience to wait on God to move them and now they're sitting around jumping from church to church and they're still unhappy. But not these folk, not these people of God, not those who are listening today. You're going to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and God is going to strengthen your heart. Wait I say on the Lord. The Bible says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Is there anybody that said, I'd rather wait on God. I'd rather wait on God. I can pick for myself, but I'd rather wait on God. Every time I pick for myself, I pick the wrong stuff. I'm just going to wait on God. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to glorify him and wait on God to move this thing. Stop talking about the president. Stop talking about the election and just wait on God and watch God do what he does. Is there anybody who realizes God has a plan? God has a plan. God has a plan and when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, let God work his plan. Stop trying to go ahead of God. Stop trying to circumvent his providential care and direction. Just wait on the Lord. And as the psalmist say, because some of us are hard of hearing and hard-headed, wait I say on the Lord. He said, he said, let me give it to you twice because I know some of you ain't going to listen to me. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you have to understand and know that trials and temptations are inevitable. They're going to happen. Some writer has said that either you're in the midst of a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're heading toward a storm. He said, those are the three cycles of the Christian journey. Either you're in one, you're coming out of one, or you're heading toward one. But just know that the trying of your faith worketh patience. As inevitable as trials and tribulations and temptations are, just know that they're also instructional. There's something that I am supposed to learn in this process. And I don't want to have to repeat this class again. So let me get the lesson the first time. Let me, let me take copious notes. And you know what I've learned? You can't take copious notes when you're talking too much. Sometimes you just got to wait and be still in the Lord. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, trials, temptations, they're inevitable. But they're instructional. 
But then the last thing is they are invaluable. My goodness, but let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. My God. You mean that when it's all said and done, I'm going to look back at this situation and I'll even have more of a reason to praise God because I'll be able to testify. I made it. <laughs> I made it. Ten years from now, people won't even remember the pandemic. But you got to remind them, I made it through the pandemic. God spared me and allowed me to see the end of this situation. I made it through the first four years of President Donald Trump's presidency. Amen. And notice I said the first four years. Amen. I don't, I don't want to be prophetic. God has a plan. God has a plan. That's part of our testimony. And I'm telling you, the Bible says count it all joy. You have joy when you realize God then brought you through some stuff and out of some stuff and over some stuff. When God has spared your mind, other people would have went crazy. If they went through half the stuff you've been through, they'd have lost their minds. And yet you're sitting here all dolled up, all handsome, all cleaned up with a smile on your face, with joy in your spirit. And God is still blessing you and keeping you. People would never think that you went through half the stuff and yet God spared you and brought you out of it in order that you might be a living testimony to somebody else. That's the reason you have joy. I have joy because I know my God cannot fail. If he did it for David, he can do it for me. If he did it for Jeremiah, he can do it for me. If he did it for Rahab, he can do it for me. If he did it for Hezekiah, he can do it for me. If he did it for Josiah, he can do do it for me. The same God that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob worship is the same God that I get a chance to worship, and he has not lost power. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Is there a witness in the house that said if God did it five years ago, he can do it now. If God did it 30 years ago, he can do it now. If God did it 2,000 years ago, he can do it now. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm Pastor Leo Thomas, and I approve this message. Amen. Go on and give God some praise. Go on and give him some praise. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you ought to praise him. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you ought to praise him. Man, I thought I was going to lose my mind two months ago, but God spared me. You ought to praise him. God, I didn't think I could make it this far, but you proved me wrong. To those who are listening today, those who are watching us, listening to us, I don't know your circumstance, I don't know your situation, but I do know that our God cannot fail that he is still all-powerful and all-knowing. God has not relinquished his authority to the enemy. He's still sovereign. The enemy can only do so much. If you remember the story of Job in the Old Testament, the devil could only do so much. And he could not go past the line 
that God had drawn in the sand. Today in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, there are some things that have happened in your life and God has told the devil, you cannot come past this line. But for those of you who don't know God, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I'm telling you, you're probably being thrown around and about like a rag doll. God will give you a firm footing. He came in order that he would lift you from the muck and the mire. But he does not force his gift and his grace upon you. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God. God will draw nigh unto thee. And if you're listening to us today, if you're watching us today, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today is the day. Pray with us today. God, we thank you and praise you. We bless you. We honor you today, Lord, for you are God all by yourself. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for ministry. But God, we know that there's somebody listening today, perhaps near, perhaps abroad. There's somebody who does not know you in the pardon of their sins. And God, we pray today that you would convict their hearts and their minds, that they would bow with us today and surrender their lives unto thee. We pray, Lord God, that they would confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We pray, God, that they would believe in their heart that you've raised him from the dead. We pray that they would accept this free gift of salvation in which you came through 42 generations in order that we might have. Now, God, we believe if they prayed this prayer, if they've surrendered their lives, if they've confessed that they are a sinner in need of salvation, we believe that they have just crossed from darkness into the marvelous light. We praise you, Lord God, for who you are, and we thank you for what you do. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Let the people of God say, amen. Come on and give God a real praise, family, before we go. We are getting out of here. We're getting out of here. Listen, we thank all of you. I appreciate all of the birthday cards. Uh, Mother Porter, thank you for sending my wife and I a cake last week for our anniversary. We just thank the body of Christ. We appreciate you so much, Mount Sinai. You have done a marvelous job. In spite of all that's gone on in eight months, you have been faithful. You've been committed. And we greatly appreciate and love you. We miss you. And we're praying that if God says the same, that sometime in the near future, We'll be able to get back together on these holy grounds and worship God together. Listen, in this 2020 experience, family, don't forget in all of your being and all of your doing and in all of your getting, God will be glorified. God bless you, family. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time, I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. 
if you do not feel comfortable by uh, sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or check or cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. Stop!